0: It's about another pastor. He uh, He's a southern boy, and he just got one of these wild hares at the uh, Boat Sport and Travel Show. They signed him up for an Alaskan bear hunt. Now, it's not like I've never done that, because they reeled me in like a fish one time to go to, Can- to the Canadian wilderness for a fishing trip, so I know what he's talking about there. He got... Reeled in and he signed and he got prepared and he flew up in at the right time to Alaska and they settled him into his room. Um, He got everything ready. They took him and showed him where he would be in the morning. And so he couldn't hardly sleep that night. He was so excited. So the next morning he gets up and he goes out to the stand. And boy, being a southern boy, he had always heard how hot it was in Alaska. So he layered up the clothes. He sat in the stand all morning. And not a sign of a bear. Well, coming around noon, he was getting a little hungry. He was a little hot. So he climbed down the stand, set his rifle there next to the tree. And he started unbuttoning some of the clothes and getting out of them. And there's a stream about 20, 30 feet away. So he thought, man, I'm going to go over there and splash some water on my face, get refreshed. Well, he goes over there and he does that. And when he looks up, here comes that grizzly. And I mean, he was getting it. He was about 40, 50 yards away, and he had left his rifle back at the tree stand. There's no way that he can get there before the bear gets him. So he did what any good pastor would do. He started praying. So he starts praying, and he says, Lord, I don't know what to do. Only thing that comes to my mind is please turn this bear into a Christian for me, please. So he opens his eyes and his looks, and that bear stops about 10 feet from him. He lifts up his arms to heaven and he goes, Lord, I thank you for this food that I'm about to receive. <laughs> All right, let's, let's bow for a quick word of prayer on that note as we get ready to study Revelation chapter 2 and our last excursion, I hope, into the church of Ephesus. So start off with your silent prayer of preparation and then, uh, then I'll kick in and we'll go. Father, as we prepare to open up your holy and divine word, pray, Father, that we will have the spiritual ears to hear at the end of each one of these letters that your son, Jesus Christ, wrote to a church. He says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. And Father, we pray that we will open our ears and our hearts and our minds today to receive that. And we want to thank you for all of those praise reports as well that we had, and thank you that Uh, Bill is still here and just like each of us he's here for a reason you have a purpose and a plan for his life and as long as we are here you hold that out for us and father help us as we study your word may you reveal to us what that purpose and plan is for each and every one of us pray that your holy spirit now will be a part of us and help to open our minds and our hearts to this that we're about to study in Jesus name amen Okay, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Hopefully this is the last time we'll read this one. We'll move on next week to the next church at Smyrna. Verse 1, to the angel at the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, and your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you found them to be liars. And you have persevered and you've had patience and you've labored for my name's sake. And you've not become weary. But nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember... Therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to him who overcomes, I will give to eat. From the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wow. I hope I don't set nothing on fire too. Because they got these little lights going. And I like to lean against this. So if, if you see smoke, warn me, okay? Uh, I'll do a drop and roll for you. But last, last week we took a look at the book, uh, The Tree of Life. That's in the midst of the paradise of God. And as I was standing back there and greeting folks. Um, I had a question pop to me. And that was... You know, I got last week about the lampstands and the stars, but you mentioned that the most important thing probably that this church was known for was verse 4 where it says, you've left your first love. We touched on it, but I haven't understood that yet. And I was so thankful for the confirmation of where I needed to go today because that just confirmed that, We needed to know that because it is a very important part. There's a couple of things that we didn't touch on. I didn't touch on that totally, on what it meant to leave your first love and to return to it. And we didn't talk about the admonition that the Lord had given to him about that you can't bear those who are evil and you tested those who are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. So thankful that that was brought up. And if you have questions like that, on anything please bring them to me and I will try to cover everything for us so that we understand deeply the word of God so let's use that as a stepping stone today to to finish this out but I want to take this in a different direction today I, I hope that this will really speak volumes to you about what their first love was and what it meant that they had left that off even though Pergamos was the capital city of Asia Minor and we will study that in a few weeks to come Ephesus was by far the most beautiful city. It was probably the largest city at the time. The Roman writers had nicknamed it Luminasia, which means the light of Asia. I mean, this was a beautiful, it was a happening city. It was a place where people wanted to go. Part of it is, is because it had a great harbor. It had a huge harbor. The Caister River flowed down through and beside Ephesus, and it flowed out into this harbor. And it was the greatest harbor of Asia Minor, and that was where the flow of people from, like, Crete and from uh, uh, Rome and Italy would come through and hit that harbor to go into that continent and to head over into the different areas from Asia Minor over into the Middle East and into where Jerusalem is. So it was the main center of transport between the two. And therefore, it had the greatest trade route as well. It was a hustling and bustling city where everything flowed in and out. On a sad note, one of the things that it was known for as well a little later on when the Roman persecution started happening against Christians was that great road was later known as the road of the martyrs for those who were taken to Rome to be taken into the um, lion's den. So... This was a Vanity Fair city of the world. And now, historical writers will say that the whole pageant of a Greco Roman lifestyle could be seen at Ephesus. It had brilliant colors, it had theaters, it had athletic events, uh, dramas, plays. I mean, it had everything that the modern city had. You see, there, their massive theater. They had a theater that held somewhere between 20,000-25,000 people. That's the ruins of the theater that was there at that time when this writing was taking place. The acoustics were marvelous. You can stand at the bottom and it would reverberate up that wall and everybody could hear them without electronics all the way up from the nosebleed section where that picture is taken from. So to the left middle... As you're looking up there, you see a road. That was the promenade road. It was lined with statues. It was lined with columns. It was it an was awesome sight. It was beautiful. Uh, the pavement was all laid out like a road. Just think, this was 2,000 years ago when that all happened. This was such an amazing city for being able to get the word out all over the place back to Rome and then back to the areas of the Middle East that Paul, we're going to find out, sets up a base camp here. And he was preaching, and in Corinthian letter, he told him, I can't come to you. In chapter 16 and verse 8, he says, I'm not going to come right now because the Lord has opened up an effectual great door of opportunity for me right here in Ephesus. And so I've got to stay here. And it might be because he was talking about the uh, May athletic games that was going to take place. You know, we're getting ready to have some more winter Olympic events getting ready to take place. Well, these games were like those Olympic events. And you can see there that we have the ruins of their gymnasium. Athletes from all over the world trained and came there for those games. And there would be people from everywhere flocking in because that was their entertainment and they loved to watch it. And so Paul is saying, there's a great opportunity right here. I've got to stay here and teach. I can't come over to you right now. I'm going to stay right here. And so this is a great city. And next, most important for us as Christians and for to understand about the time that the Bible was being written. They also had one of the seven wonders of the world there. It was the temple to Artemis slash Diana, the god of the Ephesians. It was um, it was a very prominent thing. It was the center of worship of Diana, the great one of of Ephesus. Um, and the reason that it was called Artemis slash Diana is because even then there was this idea of confusion about our roles and so a part of the cultic worship was just that they kind of confused the roles of of male and females and and promoted that kind of an idea in the Babylonian mystical cults it was and so actually though this city of Ephesus was founded in about 1400 BC around a religion of satanic rites and a hellenistic culture of, of the Hittites, of the goddess of fertility because of this Kester River Valley and the harbor and everything that went on. It was a temperate, mild, and so they, they built this great temple. In 500 B.C., 900 years later, they started it in 1400 B.C., and in 500 B.C., before Christ, we have this temple being built. This temple here was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was the temple of Diana. It was 425 feet long at the time. It was between 220 to 260 feet wide. It had 130 60 foot tall columns that they would carve out of marble and then set them up. Can you imagine 2,500 years ago making something like this? This was was serious stuff. It was beautiful beyond words. Several of the columns in there, I think they said that around 37, were dedicated to kings who had sent in gold and jewels, and they would plaster those and put a column just dedicated to that king and his kingdom and the things of it, and it would be dedicated, and you'd go through there and see all of these different things. And then in the middle, they had an altar, and they had a huge altar. It was like 60 feet. And it was carved by a man named Praxiteles who was the most well-known, renowned um, carver of this type of thing. Beauty beyond compare. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was a bank. Uh, They think that this might have been the first bank ever in the world. There was a museum in there. And then this next slide shows the artist's conception of what it looked like in that time. When Paul is preaching... And when John is there, this is what that temple looked like. I mean, you can't imagine what this city was like in all of that. It was everything combined in the world. You know, one of the biggest things was they had a trade guild there. And they had a man by Demetrius who was a head of the the guild that carved out the idols. And they made idols for your house. They made idols for your yard. That was probably the first place where they hang little things from the rearview mirror of your chariot, you know, and had the little idols hanging there. Yeah, so that's probably how this all started. And it was a joke. (laughs) I even put there in my notes that's a joke so that you know. But the worship of Diana itself was just beyond anything that we would imagine today as worship. And you would think that it would be some beautiful, like a model or movie star type thing. No. It, it was an awful thing that had um, lots of, how do I put it? Uh, Jesus used the word paps in the King James Version all around this thing because the idea was goddess of fertility to nurture and to suckle those who wanted to be in that religion. And so that's what, It was, and um, so this was all going on. They had eunuchs that was castrated just to serve there. They had thousands of their so-called priestesses who was really just prostitutes for the temple. All of this going on. They had heralds who were there speaking things. They had medicine salesmen. They had flutists playing, and they had just everything going on around This temple, it was filled with hysteria, feasts, festivals, and all of that kind of stuff. Ephesus is a messy town. And it's got a messy centerpiece in there to a messy cultic religion. This place, I want you to understand that Ephesus was evil. That Ephesus was the center of satanic learning and arts. The university of that was there. And so... This is the place historically that I want you to see that the church was born into. That the word of God and about Jesus Christ came in to this city. And Paul gets there and he's going to come and he's going to teach. And there's going to be some things happen. And it brings the gospel of Jesus Christ right to the forefront of everybody in the city. Paul arrives there in Acts 18. If you want to take your Bibles now for a minute, if you're following along, and go to Acts 18. Paul arrives in Ephesus down in verse 19. We've seen now kind of a historic view. I want to shift gears and give you now the biblical view of where Ephesus was born into with the church. So, he taught briefly there. Acts 18 and verse 19 says, he comes in, he teaches for a couple months. They want him to stay And he says, no, I've got to go somewhere, but if the Lord's willing, I will return again to you. So, in the meantime, Apollos, Aquila, Priscilla were left there to try to hold things together. And then in chapter 19, and verse 8, Paul has returned and he enters the synagogue again and he teaches boldly for three months. And he's reasoning and persuading with them about the kingdom of God. Well, some became hardened at this point, because these were the Jewish folks. And they became hardened, they didn't want to believe, and they started speaking evil of the way. Now, the way is a biblical term for the church. It was one of the early descriptions of folks who were following Jesus. And so they started speaking evil of that. And he withdrew from there, he took his disciples with him, and he started then teaching in a place, it was kind of a university house called the School of Tyrannus. And so he went to Tyrannus' house school and reasoned there daily. And then it says this, Paul continued teaching there for another two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now if you're there, that's in verse 10 of 19. And I want you to listen again real close because the word of God doesn't exaggerate. It doesn't stretch the truth. Listen to verse 10 again. All. How many is that? Just a few. All who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Paul's ministry base became this evil city, this base post on a harbor that could take the message every single way because so many people filtered in and then went to where they were to live and spread that news with them. And I'm getting cold chills thinking about that because Paul got the Word of God to all. All heard it in a time... How'd they do it without Facebook? I mean, really, without TV, without radio. It would be like saying for you and I that the Church of New Life at Paragon... Prospered so that the word of God went to everyone. All heard it in the state of Indiana. And all we had was you and me and some camels. And that's all we have. But we took it everywhere. And that's what's going on here. The word of God's not exaggerating. And you know, do you know how they did it? They were in love. They were in love. With their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And they were so motivated by love. To come out of their former walk of life. And tell everyone about him. That's what he's referring to. When you've left your first love. But Let's let's keep going on. I want to show you this history. From a biblical viewpoint. About your first love. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago. That this is not like. Susan was my first love in high school, or you had your first love in middle school. This is top priority love. This is first in rank. That my first love is Jesus Christ. And this is what happened. You know, when you're in love, things that seem near impossible you can do. I know I did some crazy things back in high school because I was in love. You probably did too. We're not going to go there. This isn't, this isn't a true confession type thing. But just think about when you were really in love, what lengths you went to to please the other person. That's what was happening here. The people at Ephesus, they heard the message of Jesus Christ amid all of the muck and the mire that was going on in their life. And what did they hear? Paul said in 1 Corinthians... Chapter 4, that I've always taught the same thing in every church. Why? Because there's only one truth. There's only one word to teach. And so he would teach the same thing in every church. And he told him in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 up there. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel that I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word that I preach to you, unless you might have believed in vain. For I delivered first of all to you that which I received, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that is the gospel message to start with. Faith in Jesus Christ, He is God's Son. He died for your sins, my sins. He was buried. He resurrected three days later by the power of God and the Holy Spirit to overcome death and to present the victory for us so that we can have faith in one who has conquered death and we will live again with him. And then we begin to follow the message that he left us there whenever he was ready to ascend in Matthew 28, 18 and 20. He said, and he came and spoke to all of his disciples, which is what we are. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all of the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. They believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They heard the message. They give that expression of faith in that through baptism, and then it says that they continue on learning and following the things that he tells them to do. And I'm, I'm going to just say right now that if there's anyone here today who has not done this, we're going to leave this up here for a minute. And I want you to think about it. If you don't get anything else out of the lesson today, you don't remember who Praxilides was, I want you to remember one thing. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. Rose again on the third day. And that if you believe in him as the son of God. We want you to become a child of God. Through faith in him. By faith, by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not of any works of ours. Lest anyone should boast. Then. Be baptized into Christ. As an expression of that. And if you haven't done that. And if your heart's moved right now, that is more important than the rest of this lesson. I'll just stop and we'll go right there. You know, whenever Philip was out there in the wilderness and an Ethiopian eunuch drove by on his chariot, he said, join yourself to that chariot. The spirit told him and he did and he, he asked what you're reading and he told him and he said, Who is this talking about? So Philip opened his mouth at that same scripture. And he began teaching him about Jesus. He must have taught him this passage. Just like he was encouraged to do. Because a moment later the eunuch said. See here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? He said if you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Same gospel message Paul preached. You may. You know what he said? Stop the chariot. And they got down right then. So. I just want to express this. If you feel that urge at any time, you come on up here and I'm going to stop the chariot for you. Because it's the most important thing in life that we can do is to have you to be a child of God. But moving on. That, this kind of emphasizes last week's lesson too on who ate of the tree of life, doesn't it? Because we found out that the overcomer was one who loved God and kept his commandments. And this is what Jesus said. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the word. And they did that. They did exactly what it was. People came into Ephesus. They told them about it. They taught them. And they went and they told others, making disciples, so that everyone in Asia heard the word of the Lord and it was addressed. And now, continuing on in Acts 19, I want us to really see how this love how this love of their savior transformed their life and how they lived and what went on in this city of ephesus that was known as the capital of occult worship here's what happened in it. god started working so mightily through paul you know the lord Tells them in Revelation 2, 4, our text that we was going through. You loved me so much that you became new creatures. You became sanctified. You took my message everywhere. That's the first love that he was talking about. You died to self. You began walking a life that was taking your cross daily and following me. And he began doing amazing things through Paul and his works to confirm and validate the message in this culture of evil. And their first love became so strong and so evident that they did some pretty dramatic things. Look at what the power of the Word of God did in their life for those who was influenced it in this evil city. I hope you can see the picture well enough up there. It's a, it's a little bit shallow, but it says this in, in uh, uh, Acts 19 and verse 18. Here's Paul. He's been there teaching them. Listen. Many who believed... This is those in Ephesus in Acts 19. Many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who practiced magic, they brought their books together and they burned them in the sight of everyone. They counted up the value of them and it was totaled up at 50,000 pieces of silver. And the word of the Lord grew mightily and it prevailed. Well, I guess there's accountants everywhere that's what they like to do is count. And so they put together... I can't imagine what 50,000 pieces of silver today is worth from that time. It was a huge amount. But why? The word of the Lord grew mightily. And it prevailed in their life in that it changed who they were. Guess what? The entire city now becomes chaos because we've just studied about that city. What was so great about Ephesus? The temple the worship that they had, the idols, it was everywhere. And now you've got a church that is starting to teach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the folks are coming out of their walk of life and bringing all of this magic and occult books and dumping them in and having a bonfire. And now the city is in a chaos and it's getting rocked. Demetrius now, the the business of the idol workers is faltering because of this. That's their livelihood. That's like someone saying, okay, we're not going to buy any cars anymore. And now everybody that works at all of the automotive places, you know, what would you do? You'd be going into an uproar. So he, Demetrius is going to get all these guys together. And in verse 24, their, their livelihoods are in jeopardy. And it says, we've made a lot of money making these idols. And in verse 25, he begins with, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear, not only here at Ephesus, but get this, almost throughout all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people, saying, there's not any gods that are made with hands. So, not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, But also the temple of the great goddess Diana is going to be despised, her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worships. And when they heard this, it says they were full of wrath, and they cried out saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And so the city, and I want you to see verse 29. So this city, it says, the whole city was filled with confusion they rushed to that theater that we saw a while ago that contains twenty to 25,000 seats. They rushed to that theater. It was filled with confusion. They said, here's a couple of people who belong to this Paul," And they grabbed Gaius and Aristarchus, his traveling companions from Macedonia. And so the story goes. They file in. They go into that big theater, a riot ensues because of the word of god saying that that your gods made with hands is not gods but jesus christ is the son of god and so this riot goes on paul wants to go and save his two traveling companions and officials from the city and the other disciples are holding him back saying no it's too dangerous for you to go and do that we can't allow you to do that so they held him back and The Jews threw a man named Alexander front and center. And when it was learned that they were Jews, it says the multitude cried with one voice for two hours. I want you to look at verse 34 there. Great is Diana of the Ephesians for two solid hours. Now I want you to get in your mind the chaos, the confusion, everything that was going on here. You've got maybe 20,000 people stamping their feet. Banging, doing whatever, a great noise. Folks, for two hours. Great as Diana of the Ephesians and just shouting and stammering that for two solid hours. Why? Because the preaching of the Word of God in an evil city turned everything upside down and people began rebelling and revolting against the Word of God and against its truth. And we study all of this so that we can see this city that Jesus Christ himself is writing to in Revelation chapter 2 to the church at Ephesus. We can see where it came from, how it was started, the love that was there in that community, and even the forces that they had to withstand to be able to persevere and to hang on, wasn't it? I mean, isn't that scary? Would that Would that not maybe make you think twice about what you're doing? But it didn't work. It continued on in growing. They were a city that was born of miracles. Powerful preaching. Paul started it, but Apollos, Aquila, Timothy, Gaius, Aristarchus, Tychicus, and the apostle John all resided at one time or another and taught in Ephesus matter of fact you'll see right here that this is the tomb in Ephesus the monument over his grave of John the apostle after being on the isle of Patmos and writing this book of revelation at the end of Domitian's reign he was freed and allowed to come back to Ephesus for a little bit to his home it's also supposed and supposedly they have the markers there also for Mary the mother of the humanity of jesus because you remember on the cross he gave possession of her over to him and this is where they went timothy's tomb is also there as well but that little monument marker in the front is saying that here lies saint john the apostle and this is supposed to be his final resting place from everything that was going on there just think about this church and the word and the love that it was than he gave himself up for. This place grew out of riots, book burnings, saved lives. People dragged in from an outside world of darkness. And now we begin to understand a little bit both historically and biblically. Why Jesus is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. Remember Paul's message was so profound that it says that he paul has turned everybody away because he says there are no gods that are made with hands so that's where we're at it's a remarkable story of love and labor and endurance for a church at ephesus that was born in a time of great revival through all of this now we can understand and say wow but jesus says You've lost your first love. And we look at all of that and say, if, if it was that great at the time, how did they lose that first love of all they were doing? Burning the books and coming out of darkness and taking the wor- word to the entire Asia Minor. I'll tell you how they lost their first love. Church gets like that when its people get like that because a church is really made up of people this building's not the church the individuals who come here to worship god is the church and church loses its first love when folks lose their first love so what are we going to do well as you're turning back to revelation chapter two and we get ready to land this plane you know, Revelation chapter 2 is written by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to that church. About 35 years after all of this took place. And you know, right before Paul left, in Acts 20 and verse 28, he uh, he's talking to him there and he says, You guys know how I've lived among you. He's at Miletus. He he couldn't even bear to go to Ephesus now and and... Tell him this. He called for the leaders to come over to Miletus and talk to him before he goes to Rome. And he calls them all in and he says, You know how I've lived among you for these three years. How that I did not cease to teach you the whole counsel of God. I did it with tears, I did it with humility and trials. But I did not keep nothing back from you because I wanted you to know the entire truth. And he commissioned those folks to guard the flock. That there would be those who would try to come in. And he says but guard them and watch and remember. For three years I've taught you the truth. And you know what the truth is. And when he had spoken all this in verse 36 of Acts 20 he says. He knelt down and prayed with them all. And they all wept freely and they fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. They sorrowed most of all for the words that he spoke. When he said that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship and he left. So now in Revelation chapter 2, if you're there, this is 35 years later. And now we can begin to understand the exhortation that the Lord gives to the church at Ephesus in verses 2 through 4. I know your works, man, the book burnings, the love, the spreading of my word everything you the riots that you persevered through your labor your patience you cannot bear those who are evil which is a word that means the rot is on the inside of the wood you ever went in, to cut a tree down and all of a sudden it splinters apart because the inside was hollow that's what this is talking that's what this word means it on outside it looked like a whole tree but the inside it was the rot was inside on the wood and then he says Uh, And also that those who are apostles, which is a word that means sent, you're an ambassador for Christ. They come to you and say that they are an ambassador for my name's sake. um, But you didn't, the apostles are not, and you found them to be liars. And I found in 1 John, since John also wrote Revelation, he explained what an overcomer was to us. A couple of weeks ago, he also explains what his definition of a liar was. He says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Now, by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So those who were coming to Ephesus in the name of Christ, and saying, I am sent of him... They're examining what they do and teach. And then he says, basically, if you say I know him, but don't keep his commandments, that's what a liar is, and the truth is not in them. And it's pretty plain. And Jesus is telling them here in the admonition to them. Man, those elders, when they left, and you prayed with him, and you hugged his neck for 35 years, you've kept that part. You've kept the truth. You've kept everything else. But I do have this against you. You lost that first love. You lost the zeal. You've lost the desire. You've lost the faithfulness and to taking it out and to going out there even though there's riots and there's people coming up against you. You still took it to everyone and you lived and you acted it and you taught it. And he said, that's where I've got you. You can... You can know truth, but you've got to also do it with love as well. So you're no longer changing lives. You're not changing your lives, but you're allowing these things to just penetrate and to go on, and you're not taking my word to the world. So as our worship team returns on up, let's reflect a little bit on what we saw today in, in this epistle of our Lord to the church at Ephesus. You know, when... You and I found Jesus Christ. Were you on fire? Were you in love? What did you do? Can you remember it? If not, why not? If so, are we still? That's the first question being posed here. Remember how much you loved me and what you did. Do you still do it? That's what he had with this church what is the thing that we need to know about it then verse 5 Remember just go back in your mind and remember from where you have fallen repent and change your attitude and direction and step back in with me in that first love type of relationship again to where you're on fire and you're you're really getting after it that's what he's telling them and then he says or else And I don't know about you. But I heard my mom say that a few times. If you don't do whatever or else I'm gonna. And I always hated those or else times. And it's the same thing here. Our Lord says, remember or else. Or else I will remove your lampstand. We said that was the church. We don't want that to happen. And we are the church as well. So think about it both personally and as a group, as a whole, as the ecclesia, as the call out in Christ. Remember, change, come back to loving me or else I have the ability to do that. I can remove that. I don't accept that type of thing going on in my church that represents me. And you know what? Guess what? That's our last slide, really, of, um, of this presentation. There's not a slide of the church at Ephesus. You know why? They didn't listen. The church ended up disintegrating because he, they didn't follow what he said here. They didn't remember. They didn't repent. They didn't turn their mind back towards him and love him and do their first works. So there's not a church at Ephesus And there hasn't been for a long time because the word of God is true. And that little dash that you see, I will remove your lampstand from its place. And there's a dash that's in the original language. And as I sat there and meditated on that, I thought. Maybe that's where the Godhead is sitting there looking into the future as this is being said. And they already know what's going to happen And it's kind of just left there. I don't know what our dash is going to be. But I hope our dash is in a good way to where there's still slides that people can show from this place a hundred years from now. God, change your heart. Change your walk. Get back in love. God is true to his word. It was removed. And he finishes it off with he that has an ear. Let him hear what the spirit is saying to you church let's pray wow father we thank you for your holy and divine word we saw a church that was born out of power out of love out of your guidance in a time and a place that we can't even imagine and father here we are in all the comforts that america has to offer and we we sit around and I just pray that we all remember our first love. Remember what you wrote here. May we apply it to our lives and worship you in spirit and in truth, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.